Hello, everyone. We are here today with Melissa Folson Logan, who is the lead singer and general manager for the band Circadian Clock. They are a band from New York, New York. They are a group of seemingly mismatched strangers that have come together to make some seriously strange music, and they prefer it that way. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thank you for giving me a call. Appreciate it. Circadian Clock. It's a really interesting name, kind of relation to uh, obviously the circadian clock with sleep and uh, the circadian rhythm, that whole thing of uh, the heartbeat. So uh, mm-hmm. why did you choose that as uh, your band name? Was that a, uh, a process that you yourself came up with, or was it kind of like a group idea to come and name the band like that? Uh, no, I came up with the name Circadian Clock a really long time ago. The band has been around for a really long time, and the reason why I came up with the title is because, you know, at the time, you know, I was around like 13 or 14 when I like was trying to figure out what exactly I should name the band. I was coming up with all these awful names, like, sex to see and yesticles just like i had no idea what i wanted and then uh i started doing a little bit more research into things that i thought you know well you know kind of what's important to me and what do i pull a lot from and during this time i was going through like a kind of a weird time where i was kind of experiencing really intense dreams where my dreams are so intense that they were kind of distorting my sense of reality because my dreams were hyper realistic and then my reality would be kind of like twisted because of how realistic my dreams were mm-hmm. um so, you know, I started doing a little bit more research in like sleep cycles and things related to dreams. And I came across that title, Circadian Clock, which is uh, your body's internal function that controls your sleep cycle. And uh, yeah, it kind of stuck with that. Huh. kind of stuck with me. It's a really interesting name. So 13, <laughs> you came up with it all that year, all those many years ago. But uh, mm-hmm. you only started in uh, 2008, correct? Yeah. So obviously you sat on that for a long time. So what, what was your choice to kind of wait on that for a little while? Well, you know, um, the band was, it was like, you know, my high school kind of project. You know, I had, a, a, my friend's bands were doing stuff and, you know, I was around the scene and I was just starting to get kind of really, I liked rock music for a while, but I hadn't really thought it was for me to do because I was a classically trained violinist, so I kind of thought I was going to go to the classical route. Mm-hmm. But um, then a friend of mine gave me a Muse CD and it kind of like really changed my life. I was like, you can do both? <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just knelt with them and... uh I, you know, it's, I was playing this version of my band that, you know, the high school version with all my friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as time went on, you know, different, the, like, different needs and the different things that we kind of needed evolved. And, you know, certain people went their own path. So I, I was able to find people who were more, I always had kind of the goal of, you know, I want to be touring the world and, you know, playing big shows and I want to be the best musician I could be and take it as far as I can take it. And, um, now, as I'm getting older, I'm finding people who are also on board with that type of mission. And every single time I'm able to get that, I feel like we're moving closer. But that's, you know, kind of explains how we've been around for a while. But the evolution of the band, like all the original members, uh, as of now, except for me, the founding member of the band, mm-hmm. are uh, different. That's just because, you know, it started off as a high school project and, you know, time goes on. But I just wanted to keep the title because, you know, I liked the music. I didn't yeah. want to change it. I liked what I was doing and I liked kind of, you know, it was, you know, to begin with, it was a lot, in a lot of ways, my brainchild, and I kind of always wanted to take the time to develop it and see where it would go. It also, you know, it just kind of helps for branding purposes to keep the same name. So how difficult was it trying to find everyone for the current lineup? You know, the, okay, how do I put this? <laughs> I don't think that it was, um, it's been a long process, but it's not really difficult so much that it almost kind of feels like it's fate, like it's a little bit out of your control. You know, I went to college with my bassist, Mikey, and I... You know, we were friends and we would hang out. And then I uh, saw him performing with a friend of mine's band, and he his stage performance blew me away. Like I'd never really seen anybody performing like that. Like he was 
running all over the place and he was super wild and I was like, that is so cool. Like, I admire that so much, you know? Yeah. I loved everything about it so then I was just like, you know, would you, do you want to join my band? He was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, Ari, the guitarist, we worked at the same recording studio in Nightlife Productions and, uh, I originally didn't ask him to join the band because he's so good at guitar. I just assumed he would say no. <laughs> Yo, really, he's really good at the guitar. I don't know if you listen to Ari play the guitar very much, but I listen to it all the time, every single time. He's actually ruined a lot of uh, other guitarists and music in general for me because <laughs> I listen really? to it. And I'm like, yeah, because he's really good at the guitar. Ari is really like, he. I don't say this just as like someone like, my band's got the best guitarist, but like I really just respect Ari's musicianship so much. Like He practices guitar for like, two or three hours every day minimum. If he doesn't practice the guitar, he is legitimately very grumpy. He's really just like, he's super dedicated and super focused, and he is really like, you know, he just cares about music and art, like really from the bottom of his heart. And I really appreciate it. He's really talented. So like, I'm really honored that I get to work with people like that. And I feel like they kind of just fell into my lap. You know, oh, I went to school with Mikey. You know, I didn't have to go search through a million people. Oh, I went to school with Ari, you know. Or sorry, I went to... Uh, you know, I worked in the same place as Ari. He just happened to be there, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, like, difficult because time required me that I had to make the search, but it wasn't like I was necessarily searching so much as I was, like, I just had to be I just had to be patient enough to still have the band while this person came by. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So what about Ayumi, your uh, keyboard player? How did she come about? Uh, well, Ayumi is... Uh, I met Ayumi because we both went to the same music summer camp, but we went, I think... Either we went during different times or we really didn't talk when we went at the same time because I'm two years older than her. But she is, you know, she's one of my best friends. I love her very much. Uh, and she played in the band for, you know, many, many years, including up to, like, really recently. And we're still working with her in some capacity. But, you know, the band is kind of in an evolutionary stage right now. Like, we're really kind of figuring out where we want to go and what we're doing. Right. And I think Yumi kind of wants to focus a little bit more on, like, you know, she goes to school. She's a brilliant architect. She's an amazing artist, you know. She goes to school at a minors in classical piano, and she wants to do some really cool projects, and I think that's awesome. But, you know, right now she kind of want to focus. She wants to focus a little bit more on herself, so we're kind of, you know, splitting paths a little bit right yeah. now. It's one of those evolutionary points, as you said. I watched a, a bunch of the stuff that you have on your YouTube page, and I really got to say I like the directing style that you had on, um, I believe it was your uh, Bright Side music video. I really like that. Thank you. So uh, what was the process of planning those music videos? Was it just kind of like show up, shoot, typical storyboard thing? or? Um, well, the two videos that, we kind of, that we've done for our music videos, Brightside and Sick, are, were done very differently. Um, Brightside, we were fortunate enough to hire a like, very legitimate camera and crew company, so it was very official. And there was all this paperwork, and we had to do yeah. all... We had to set up the location, come up with the contract agreements for the location. We had to, you know, we came up with a storyboard. I had several meetings with the, the director, Yang. <laughs> we had, you know, several meetings and kind of sat down and figured out, you know, what it is that we wanted to do, the direction we wanted to head in for the video. And I was like, you know what, I kind of want to have this crazy party feel. You know, I want people to be wearing, like, random beeper masks and break dancing, and I want there to be, like, feather boas. You know, just I, I wanted it to be a crazy party because yeah. I feel like the band kind of embodies that energy. It's certainly, it's, it was certainly a unique video. <laughs> I really liked seeing all the masks and stuff like that. Although I have, to, I have to ask, do, does Mikey always try to wear a pig mask whenever you guys are being recorded or something? <laughs> Mikey is really fond of that pig mask. Yeah. No idea if it's like a conscious effort on his part. Because sometimes he plays shows, the pig mask is not there. Sometimes he plays shows, and the pig mask is on the whole time. <laughs> it's really and I, interesting. I have honestly, I have no control over it. There have been some shows where I was like, Mike, can you not wear the pig mask? And they'll be like, uh, no. It's, it's just <laughs> no, part I of it. No, I can't not wear the mask. Yeah, like, <laughs> he will adamantly. And I, 
I like and kind of respect that. You know, I, I don't want anyone in the band to feel overpowered. I, I like the fact that there are times legitimately where I'm like, hey, guys, let's not do this thing. And they're like, nah, we have to. It's important. <laughs> I can yeah. understand and, that. Yeah, like musically sometimes I'll be like, oh, we're going to add a breakdown here. And I'm like, oh, what if you guys didn't do that? And they're like, but it's going to happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just happen But it anyway. sounds good, you know, and it has to be kind of like that group effort. But he, I don't want to say that he consciously tries to wear the pig mask all the time. I just think Mikey is Mikey and enjoys Mikeying all over the place. And part of that is wearing a pig mask whenever he feels like, in his words, slam pigging it. <laughs> I can really appreciate that. Moving back a little bit to your music, what, what is your process when you sit down and start writing? Uh, is it you coming up with a lot of the lyrics and rhythm? Is it kind of like a whole group effort? How does that work for you? I'm the primary songwriter for these, and I've been, I play uh, many instruments, not... I don't play the guitar a quarter as well as Ari plays the guitar, and I don't play bass super, super well. But I can play those instruments, like, pretty okay. So I do, you know, and I've been going to... I've been studying music and analyzing it and composing it for my entire life. So I write all the music. I write all the lyrics. Uh, I write fairly heavily. Um, so I already have a pretty good map of what it is that I want. And then I give it to the band, and then they add what they can on top of that. Like, they'll be like, oh, you know, this riff isn't... You know, it's good, but I can think of something better. And they play something better. I'm like, that is better. Use that. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Or, you know, they'll, they'll come up with a cool rhythm part. And they're like, oh, what if we did, like, a cool syncopation or extra rhythm here? Or, like, if we added this? Or what if we did this type of harmony over that? Or what if we did this over here? And I'm like, that's cool. And then sometimes they'll write, you know, additions to their parts. They'll be like, what do you think of this part? And be like, actually, that note doesn't really work in this particular chord, but what if we tried this? So it's like, you know, the arrangement process is definitely a very band-heavy process. But the writing process is a little bit more just me getting really into my own head and feelings and figuring out how honest I want to be with people about what I'm feeling. That's fair. So I also have another question about one of your songs, uh, going back to Brightside. What uh, what was your choice to decide to do the Redux, to uh, to re-record it? Well, that had a lot to do with kind of like the, I would say like the real start of Circadian Clock. Like, Circadian Clock has been around for a while, mm -hmm. but, you know, as you know, as I said, you know, it was kind of the shedding point where we got rid of a lot of the old members and then brought in two new members, Ari and Mike. And um, it was kind of the real birthing process for us figuring out the direction that we are heading in now and what it is that we're actually becoming. And uh, that was kind of the first real step for that. So the reason why we wanted to record that is because we had the budget to record this video and we were able to, you know, hire a professional company. Mike and Ari, they were like, you know what, we kind of want to re-record our parts on this. Like, we, we want to re-record the parts on this because the bass player was a previous bass player and the guitar mm -hmm. player was a previous guitar player, but they were going to be in the music video, like Ari and Mike, instead of these other guys. They were like, it kind of feels weird to be playing back backup tracks for a band that we're in, but a recording that we're not in. And Ari is a studio engineer. Way, you know, I do production, I do a little bit of studio stuff, but Ari's a real like studio engineer and producer. But he was just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so he did it. Just get it done. I can really appreciate mm -hmm. that, wanting to have the authentic sound and have the face match whoever's playing what. Yeah, and it does sound a lot better, you know, the way that they, you know, Ari really went back in and fixed up. I did the, the first EP that we had, Someone Out There Loves After All, I edited that, I wrote it, I helped produce it, and I also was helped by Sean Gill of The Passengers, who's, you know, a really great multi-platinum producer yeah. that I love, and I love working with him, he's the best, and I love all the work that I do with him. But I did a lot of the editing work because he was helping me, basically he was helping me by, you know, allowing me to record the album for free in exchange for, like, work around the studio. 
And I really, really appreciated the opportunity that he and his wife Bernadette gave me because she also taught me a lot about the industry and how to work. And she gave me the opportunity to work at that studio and learn how to manage it and how to like, you know, how the business work, how running a business works itself, the music business, you know, I really learned a lot from those people. But, you know, I did a lot of the editing and it was like really my first introduction towards editing audio work, which is pretty difficult, particularly for doing stuff like drums. And Ari came in and he was way better than me. So he fixed all my mistakes, made everything sound good. <laughs> well, that's really nice. What was the influence for uh, your music video for uh, Sick? Ah, well, so that music video, I was really excited about that because the first music video we did, you know, we hired a professional company. This music video, I just hired my friend Brian, who I've known since I've, you know, I went to high school with him. And Brian and I are like very fundamentally different people. However, uh, when it comes to visual work and like artistry and the presentation of it, our uh, ideas and I think our visions of it are very congruous and harmonious. So I knew that I would be able, I was like, I have kind of an idea in my head. It's a pretty general idea. Uh, I feel like if I bring in another person that also has lots of ideas in their head, but they're general, that between the two of us, we will come up with a, with a good video. <laughs> you would hope that the two of you would be able to complete the puzzle together. Right. I was like, I think, you know, I don't, I've never gone to school for cinematography but I, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking and analyzing music, and I think about a lot of other things in the same way. You know, I read comic books constantly. I read, you know, I watch videos, different art videos, videos of all different types of media, and I like to sit down and think about what makes this these devices effective in these mediums, and what con what communicates what ideas for these mediums. So, you know, wanted to kind of try my hand a little bit more at. You know, when I was doing Brightside, I didn't have as much of a hand in the artistic direction of the shots themselves. And, well, I wouldn't even say that's true because I actually sent a lot of editing notes, like many pages of editing notes. Mm -hmm. so that's probably not even true. But I felt a little bit more involved in the process for filming Sick because I, I, I scouted at the location and I was like, I feel like this, you know, it was just like an empty hallway, basically. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like I can make this look like a crazy patient's overtake the asylum, like insane people house. You know what I mean? Just bought a whole bunch of costumes and I just threw them all together and I was like, Brian, this is my general idea. Everybody, you guys are demons. And uh, this is kind of sort of what happens generally-ish, but let's just run with it, come up with some cool stuff. Yeah, that's the best thing you, know, you was, can do. It was kind of more about communicating the idea of struggling against something that is terrifying and struggling against something that you feel you can't struggle against. Yeah. So um, you were talking a little bit about analyzing different types of mediums and stuff like that. So moving forward on your future songs, when you're writing the lyrics or composing the music, do you think you're also going to think how you could possibly translate that over to a visual medium and like a music video or anything like that? For me right now, it's kind of something that has to come after. And it's because to me, art forms have to be good enough to stand on their own. And I think that right now I don't have the skill to purposefully, honestly communicate what I want to communicate while still considering uh, the advantages of other art forms that would highlight that. Instead, I feel that I would be best suited by focusing on creating the best music that I feel I can and creating the best, most visceral way of connecting the audience to the world that I'm trying to create with just sounds and ideas and the form of art music by itself. And then later, figuring out how I have to create a video to complement in the realest way that is makes sense for the medium of video, the uh, the honesty in music, and I feel like those two things will amplify each other if I can do them well. But that's a pretty tricky thing to do, always to the finest degree that I want to do it. But I, you know, I just want to keep working at it because I, my main thing, I just really like making stuff, man. It's my favorite yeah. thing to do. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And if it's I want music or videos. Exactly. I just really like making stuff, 
and I want to be able to do that to the best of my ability. And I just have to believe that if I keep working at it and I keep proving to people that I have potential and that I can make good work, that eventually someone will give me enough of a chance to really bring it to more people and show people, like, all right, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I would rather fail gloriously and, <laughs> and mean it. Yeah. But then give up. Exactly, because that's the worst thing. Yeah, the worst thing you could do is not try at all. And uh, so you mentioned the concept album. So do you think maybe we could get any hints on what it might be about? Sure. So this concept album we're coming up with. So we had an EP we came up with called Daydream Disorder, which is leading into the concept album that will be called... Oh, what did I decide it was going to be called? <laughs> I've been playing around with a couple different titles. Okay. Uh, but for right now, I think uh, we're going with The Dreamer. The Dreamer? And uh, Yes. And the reason why is because the concept album is about these two people who are destined soulmates, who are also destined to never meet in their lifetime. And the only time they meet each other is in their dreams. The boy is, uh, the boy grows up and he becomes obsessed with science. And he becomes obsessed with using science to help people and to try and find this person who he's dreaming obsessively about every single night that he knows is out there but he can't connect with. And he has to try and figure out what is it about the dream world and the subconscious that is allowing me to connect with another human being in a different location? I'm trying to figure out how that works. And he's a world-renowned scientist, but he's driving himself nuts obsessively because he wants to help people, but he has a tragic flaw of needing to help and wanting to be helpful and, to, and towards being good. Whereas the girl becomes a pop star, and she becomes obsessed with celebrity and fame and trying to use connections and philanthropy and the human spirit towards finding this person. Like, she just believes she puts herself and her energy out into the world enough that something good will return from it. So both, it's a pretty tragic story, and uh, it's real sad, and nothing good happens. No. <laughs> How sad. <laughs> Everything is sad. <laughs> and it's, I kind of wanted to get into, like, that emotional sphere of, I wanted to use the extremes of a lot of the different elements in this story to try and connect to a layer of, it's, I don't know how to exactly to describe it, but you know how you, you could be going about your regular day and feeling emotions are like kind of like a baseline level, yeah. and then someone says something to you or something happens, and it's just like things get so real that it takes you out of the reality you are currently in and places you into like a different reality where you're like, oh, like the rules are completely different and how I feel and the way that I perceive everything is different. And it's like more real and more present and more urgent, and it's like you're... It's like if, if someone were to come up to you and to tell you in that moment that your dog had died, suddenly your entire reality and everything about it would be different and you would suddenly be very viscerally connected to this idea. And that's kind of what I wanted to try and communicate in my music and the way that it's experienced and the stories told in it. I didn't want to tell a specific story about how, at this point in the story, he does this thing. It was really more about feeling what he felt at that moment and understanding what they understood and being in those moments with them and having to feel it yourself, just like how you had to feel those real moments yourself in your own life. So you're trying to create a story that almost any listener could relate to in hearing the album? Mm-hmm. The story is irrelevant to the album, almost. It's yes, it's a concept album, yes the two are connected and you can enjoy you can enjoy them as a you know, as individual units and you can enjoy them together, but I want to create works that stand on their own. I want to create a story that is worthwhile reading just because it is a story and an album that is worthwhile listening just because it's an album. But as a musical experience, the music that I gravitate towards is music that makes me feel very strongly, that kind of takes me out of what I was doing and forces me to listen to that thing and go like, oh, wow, like this has, this has me absolutely captivated. I can't do anything else but consider these thoughts and feelings and ideas and spheres and shapes. And 
I wanted to create music that was like that. And I wanted, I wanted, I like the idea of the concept album because I feel like it amplifies that because it creates a, more of a world for you to live in and engage with. But I also wanted to create works that stand it on their own so that people could just listen to this album and be like, I like this song because this song is about cancer. I like this song because this song makes me feel good about X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? I wanted to be able to do that as well. That's really, really awesome. It's definitely a big goal to reach for, but it sounds like it's definitely possible. So uh, when should we expect to uh, see the Dreamer on stores or on SoundCloud or however you're getting it out there? To be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure yet. <laughs> I'm, currently, I'm currently working on a lot of uh, projects that, you know, I definitely want to get this album out there. Right now, you know, we're focusing on touring for the summer. Our hope is that we can tour for the summer, and then after touring, we you know, are much more in shape and we have a full album's worth of material. We're like, this is strong. We feel good about this. And then recording that all in one go in the old school style. The EP that we recorded, we recorded at our own studio, Nightlife Productions. So we had all the time to go back and re-record and figure out how we want the record to sound and how to produce it. And going back and editing all these tiny little mistakes because we maybe didn't practice a certain section quite as finely, which is a very normal way to record a record. I kind of more gravitating towards seeing the value in the older school method of just making sure that something is good. Like everything yeah. that I think about in art is making sure it's just good. I want to make music that is good. I want to make stories that is good. I just want to focus on making a quality thing. So I'm kind of more interested in uh, doing it that way. So given that I would, you know, the last album took us a long time to put together because we had to do a lot of work on it. But this one, I imagine, will take us somehow, even though it's more music, I think it will take us less time. So hopefully, I think a spring date of next year is uh, realistic. That's awesome. I look forward to hearing that. Here's one last question. Could you explain why uh, your nickname is Vile? Ah, uh, that's a funny story. Uh, so, back in the days of Neopets, right? Okay. There was a uh, Neopets had a lot of lore in it, which is kind of really what drew me to the story, the site itself, because playing Neopets was fun. But what I really liked was like when they would have like these giant story events or like wars and stuff, because they would make these massive comics and like cartoons for it, and I and stories, and I just thought it was really cool and well written, and I still stand by that point to this day as an adult. One of the characters was this, was this girl named Vira, right? And she was like, she was in a Kara species, which is kind of like a cat, you know, very pretty. And uh, her story was that she was the prettiest in all of the land, and she was very, very vain, and people would ask for her help, but she was not worried about their concerns because she was so vain that she only thought of herself. And one day she wandered into the woods and became cursed by this mirror that punished her for her vanity. So for as pretty as she was, it made her just as ugly. And she became so horrified that she spent the rest of her time trying to drag other Neopians down with her and make them just as ugly and trap them into the same. There was like this element of like darkness to the story that I thought was really cool. So anyway, her name was Vira, and I misremembered that, and I thought it was Vile, and that's why my nickname is Vile. <laughs>